be the justification of the believer. Okay, opening up the scriptures. If you've got Bibles, you can turn to them. If not, uh, the uh, scriptures will be right up there on the PowerPoint uh, screen. Starting with Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I... The Lord, there is none, no other God beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom, that is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, God set forth as a propitiation, a satisfactory atonement by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sin, sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Also 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will for, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Also Romans chapter 2 verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. And finally, Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Father, we praise and thank you for your word, which is a guideline of faith, Lord God. And we need to be in the Word, Lord, to know what it says and to follow it, Lord, because you've said that it's the the doers that are justified in your sight. And uh, thank you, Lord, uh, for anointing these lips of clay. And as, Lord, we look at this subject of the justification of the believer, Lord, it's kind of a basic gospel message today. I pray that you'd uh, visit us in your strength and your power, Lord. And I thank you for this. And I uh, praise you for being here. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we've been looking in recent weeks of praise as a weapon. It's a continuation of the uh, weapons of God that we've looked at. We've looked at the name of Jesus. We've looked at the blood of the uh, uh, cross and the uh, word of our testimony. We've looked at uh, uh, you know the word of God and intercessory prayer, prayer in the spirit. And we come to the final phase of that, which is praise as a weapon. The thing verse for this particular part is let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 149 verse 6. We've looked at the two different kinds of praise. Uh, There's uh, thanksgiving where we thank God for what he has done, for what he is doing, and for what he will do in our lives. And the other kind of praise that we've been looking at is adoration. Adoration is when we look at God and we adore Him. We praise and thank Him for who He is and what He is doing in our lives. To do this, I've been going through the different attributes of God. 
you know, what are called the attributes. These include, but are not restricted to, love, holiness, justice, truthfulness, eternity. Another one that have, it's occurred to me is his faithfulness, too. How many of you thank God that he is faithful? Amen? We're going to look at, uh, uh, as well as the what we, I call the omni-attributes. Omni meaning all. His omnipresence. He is everywhere present. He's present in this room right now. He's omnipotent. Yes. He's all-powerful. Yes. And He can work miracles in our lives. Amen? And His uh, omniscience. He knows everything about us. So don't try to hide from Him. He knows your thoughts. He is God. Amen? Now I spent three Sundays speaking on that first attribute of God. God is love. And we saw that the practical application, because God is love, that we need to be people of love too. Amen? We need to love everybody unconditionally. Jesus said even to love our enemies. And you can't do that apart from plugging into the power source who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We also saw that he is holy. And we're to be holy people. We're to lead lives of purity. Amen? Yes. Says in First Peter, he said, Be holy, for I am holy. And finally, what we've been covering in recent weeks, or actually I just started it last week, is the third attribute, which is the justice of God. God is a God of justice, brothers and sisters. We read that at the second half of Isaiah 40, 45, verse 21. And there is no other God beside me, a just God and a Savior. Why does God need to be our Savior? Because we couldn't save ourselves. He had to do it for us. There is none beside me. Now, this just God cannot allow sin. And what is sin? Sin is nothing more than rebellion against God, against Him. He cannot allow sin in His presence. You know, um, I, last week I used a number of illustrations of people that thought that they could flee from the justice pursuing. I used such various examples as the... Uh, uh, people that fled Nazi Germany, you know, the ones that were involved in the final solution, the Holocaust, they thought that they could escape justice. And we saw that they really couldn't escape justice. It caught up with them. The one uh, guy that uh, uh, escaped the justice uh, here on earth, uh, Josef Mengele, you know, he was tortured every day of the rest of his life, looking over his shoulder, not knowing if uh, they were going to actually come to get them. And of course, these people that even if they escape justice in this life, they won't escape justice in the life to come. Amen? Now, um, there's another scripture that I didn't share with you, and I, I, I put it up there here. No, numbers... Uh, uh, 32 verse 23. Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Everybody say that with me. Be sure your sin will find you out. Remember that scripture. Sin is going to catch up with you. It even catches up, you know, an illustration I used last week was uh, David. Yep. King David did uh, uh, all these things in secret, you know, committing adultery with Bathsheba, uh, impregnating her, and then uh, causing her uh, husband to be killed on the battle line. And then he married her. And he, his sin found him out. Nathan confronted him with it. If that story is in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And everything that Nathan told him was going to happen, you know, about people in his own household were going to rise up against him, it was all fulfilled down to the letter. So even though 
David, you know, prayed and God forgave him for it, he could not escape the consequences. His sin found him out. Now this rebellion, again, sin is nothing more than just rebellion against God. The devil and his angels rebelled against God sometime in eternity past. You read the story, if you uh, want to make note of these scriptures, Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through uh, 19, and Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. The rebellion that the devil had against God is when he made these five sayings, the five I wills. This is found in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. For you have said in your heart, you know, this is God speaking to uh, uh, Lucifer, uh, uh, who became Satan. You have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the signs of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And you know what you do when you sin is you allow your will to supersede the will of God. Amen? That's all sin really is. Your will superseding. And it goes back to the very first temptation of man. Who knows what the first temptation? The first temptation, aside from getting, you know, Satan getting man to doubt the word of God, the first temptation is you will be as gods. So when you sin, you're setting yourself up as your own God. And God does not want you to be your own God. That's where all the problems in the world develop. He wants to be the God, the Lord of your life. Amen? Okay, so when we sin, that is to do what is contrary to God's will, we set ourselves up as our own God and join the devil's rebellion against God. And what did Jesus say regarding this? He said, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. You know, I've heard uh, Greg Laurie, the uh, pastor of uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship, you know, I I try to follow him pretty regularly. You know, I record his uh, uh, telecast. It comes on about 3.30 in the morning, which I'm... You know, not too keen on getting up that early. But anyway, I've heard his testimony many times. And he said, uh, uh, you know, uh, how he came to the Lord is there was this group of Christians that were there on his high school campus. And they would gather together and have their uh, meetings. You know, I don't know how many of them, maybe a couple of dozen of them out in the open where people could see them. And, you know, he was just really curious. He thought, these people are so deceived. But he was curious about it. So one of their meetings, he kind of uh, got in close enough, you know, within earshot to hear what the speaker was saying. And uh, he, the speaker said, quoted that scripture. He says, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he thought to myself, man, if I'm not with Jesus, that means I'm against him. I don't want to be against him. And so he gave his heart to the Lord. So that's something we all have to come to a decision. Are you with Jesus or are you against him? It's, either, it's an either or situation. There's, you can't have it both ways. Now another thing I talked about last week is this old chestnut. You know, they say, and by the way, you know, to our visitors, I don't talk about hell very much. Occasionally I do, you know, when it's necessary. And there's so many people that go around, you know, they say to themselves, how can this God of love send people to hell? Now, when people ask that question, it displays their ignorance. And that is because he or she has no idea how repugnant sin is to God. Because sin, if you persist in sin, you persist in that rebellion against God that I've been talking about. 
Now, the answer to that question is twofold. First, God doesn't send anyone to hell. He doesn't want us to go to hell. He didn't create hell for us. Who did he create hell for? It says there in Matthew 25, he created hell for the devil and his angels. He doesn't want us to wind up there. Therefore, man, God does not send uh, man to hell. Rather, man willingly goes there by choice, by not accepting the sin sacrifice that Jesus uh, performed for us on the cross. Second of all, God is a just God. And if we continue in sin and rebellion against him, he has no choice but to allow us to continue on our way to an eternity away from him. And that's what the scripture talks about. What is hell all about? It's an eternity away from God. I shared with you last week, James says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of heavenly lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of changing. We've all sinned. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And since Adam's fall, we are all born sinner, sinners in rebellion against God. We want our will instead of God's will. And that's the answer to the old chestnut. Do we sin because we're sinners or are we sinners because we sin? Well, the answer is the former. We sin because we are sinners. We are born with the sin nature. We all have that sin nature. Paul, writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's another answer to the question, you know, uh, God told Adam, In the day you partake of the forbidden fruit, you will surely die. Did they die that very die? day? Well, if they didn't die, then God's a liar. But he's not a liar. They died in their trespasses and sins. But you know what? God has provided us an off-ramp. Here we are on the road to sin as long as we continue down our merry way. But there's an off-ramp. And God, uh, you know, gives that off-ramp to everyone. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's truly been said that you can go to heaven God's way or to hell your own, to an eternity away from God, away from all, every good and perfect gift. And that, to, to me, that's, that's hell right there. Eternal separation from God and every good and perfect gift. That's what hell is all about. And Jesus is the only true way to heaven and eternal life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never, never die. I'm living eternal life now. Not just the day that I die that I'm going to go and be with Jesus. I'm living eternal life now. Life is union. Death is separation. Jesus said to Thomas, this is in the upper room discourse that I've told you about, John chapter 13 through 17. Jesus said to one of his disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Peter, when he was forced to stand in front of the Sanhedrin about preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, he said in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. And that's why no world religion truly provides salvation. This is because none of them 
provide a true cure for this sin problem, which leads to death, which is separation from God. And separation is temporary in this life, and it becomes, if the sin problem is not dealt with, it becomes eternal. Now, the Eastern religions, you know, such as Buddhism and Hinduism, don't deal with this sin problem. They say the sin problem will be worked out by the law of karma. What's the law of karma? The law of reaping and sowing. You know, the, you know, Dali is from uh, Thailand. They have a saying, Tam Di Dai Di, Tam Chua Dai Chua. You know, do good, you get good. If you do evil, you get evil. And that, you know, they, they think that uh, it, it, your karma either gets worked out in this life or maybe in the next life. They believe in reincarnation, you know, endless reincarnations until you get rid of all your bad, uh, bad karma. So, and, and this, they think, is the reason, you know, the answer why some people are, suffer, you know, some people are born with deformities, some are uh, uh, born poor. And the problem is that allows them to skirt their responsibility to their fellow human beings. My mentor, the late Dr. Walter R. Martin, used to talk about a trip that he took to India. And he said he saw these so-called holy men there in India. They would walk past a starving dog, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a, a starving child, and the child would be just sitting there, you know, crying, emaciated, crying for food. And these holy men would walk past him with no more regard for him than they would a dog. But when a sacred cow, you know, they worship cows over there. The sacred cow would uh, uh, pass by. They would rush up to it. And after it eliminated, I, I don't mean to be crude here, you know, uh, this was Walter Martin's uh, description of it. After it eliminated itself in the street, they would smear the feces in their hair because that was a symbol of their ultimate union with the divine. That's the, you know, they, they have a whole different way of thinking thing. Oh, that, that uh, poor little boy there starving? Well, it's because he sinned in a prior life. That's his karma. You know, I'm not going to interfere with his karma. He's got to work that out. Wow. That's not the Christian way. Now, a um, couple of illustrations about these Eastern religions. Uh, uh, there's a uh, man by the name of Rab- Rabinandrath Maharaj. And he wrote a book called Death of a Guru. And during my, it was either my first or second year of Bible college, I saw his uh, uh, book in the, uh, uh, you know, the church books uh, bookstore where I uh, went to Bible college. And I thought it was interesting. You know, I'd been uh, doing a lot of uh, research into the cults and things like that. But I said, you know, I got a lot of other books to read. And then Rabbanandrath came and spoke at the church that I attended. And I listened to him, and after he was finished, I said, i got to go out and get that book. <laughs> so I, I bought it. And it was just really heavy things. It, see, he was the guru. He, he t- entitled it Death of a Guru. So he was of the highest Hindu caste. You know, you can tell that from his last name, Maharaj. That's the Brahma caste, the, the priestly caste, the highest caste. And he was just heavy into it. And then he reached a, a, a period when he was 15 years old, and he just felt such torture within his soul. He'd gone to a Hindu temple and studied under these this one particular guru who had taught him all these yoga, you know, uh, techniques and uh, meditation. And he would, uh, you know, spend his nights before be- uh, bed, you know, evenings before bed, do- doing these techniques. And you know, in the- he would go into these yoga trances, and he would actually see the Hindu deities appear before him. The one that scared him most was Siva, the destroyer. So he knew that these Hindu deities were real. And uh, 
You know, of course, he, 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 when he got saved, he got saved when he was 15, and he smashed all of those idols. You know, before he would have thought that the, those Hindu deities would just kill him right there on the spot if he did something like that. But it didn't happen. But uh, uh, he said, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, when I listened to him speak, he talked about how, you know, Hinduism says that you're supposed to uh, look within, you know, for your self-realization, for your enlightenment, as they, they call it. But he said it didn't work with him. He said the more he looked inside of himself, the more he saw his own sinfulness. That was a major reason why he uh, turned to the Lord. And he attended this Christian meeting at the invitation of uh, uh, one of his cousins, and he uh, oh, and by the way, too, when he saw these Hindu deities, he, he said none of them appeared to be loving and caring. They were all cold and indifferent towards him or outright hostile towards him. So he goes to this meeting, and the first thing he do, they had a time of uh, praise and worship like we did here, and he heard this uh, chorus, Wonderful, wonderful Jesus is to me. Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God is He, saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer, praise His name. And He said it just blew Him away. You know, nobody would call these Hindu gods uh, wonderful or a counselor or a Redeemer. None of those things, you know. They wouldn't say that about... So just from the very first chorus, he could see the contrast between Hinduism and Christianity. Now, the other testimony I wanted to share with is a man by the name of Mike McIntosh. Mike McIntosh was my uh, pastor uh, at... uh, Calvary Chapel. It was Calvary Chapel of San Diego. It be, later became uh, a Horizon Christian Fellowship. By the way, uh, you know, for our visitors, we're, we're an Assemblies of God church. We're not a Calvary Chapel. But Calvary Chapel had a tremendous influence on my life. And uh, Mike McIntosh, uh, you know, he came out of the uh, hippie movement and the drug culture back in the uh, late 1960s. And he was dropping acid like crazy. One time he kind of joined himself to this flying saucer cult that was out there in Yucca Valley, you know, in California. Uh, You know, I'm from uh, Southern California. I'm from the San Diego area, you know. Uh, But anyway, so I know where Yucca Valley is. And, uh, you know, the... He's out there with his flying saucer cult, and he goes up to Ron. Uh, you know, he'd uh, uh, taken an OD, you know, of uh, uh, LSD, you know, and his mind's just tripping like crazy. And he was convinced that uh, uh, Ron was a mafia hitman out to get him. And you know, uh, and he says, "Oh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, you got to help me, you know." And he, Ron is there with a uh, revolver, and he pu- he's putting shells into it. And uh, uh, so, you know, he was causing a big scene. So they took Mike and they tied his hands behind his back, put this black canvas bag over his head and led him downstairs. And he was sure that he was going to get murdered. And at the very moment he's crying out and he's into all these Eastern religions, transcendental meditation, uh, you know, uh, you know, Maharishi in, in his vision, he could see Maharishi and Paramahansa Yogananda, another Hindu guru, then Krishna and Buddha, and all these appeared one by one in front of him. And he said, you got to help me. You got to get me ready to die. And every one of them, he said, just laughed at him. And they said, this is far as we take man to death. And the last figure that appeared, you know who the last figure that appeared to him? It was Jesus himself. And Jesus said to him, Mike, the day that my hands were pierced by those nails and my blood began to flow out, your sins were forgiven. But you have to believe that and receive it. 
Well, Mike was not ready at that point. Uh, again, he's, he's just tripping like crazy. He thinks he's going to get hilled, uh, uh, killed. And in this, you know, acid trip, he said he heard a big explosion. And for the next two years, he wandered around thinking half of his face was blown away. Wow. And he wound up in uh, psychiatric hospitals and outpatients and things like that. And then finally he came into contact with the Calvary Chapels, the, the mother church at the time, uh, Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. I've been there many times and listened to Chuck Smith. And, uh, uh, you know, he got saved. And maybe a month or two later, you know, he went up to uh, Chuck Smith. They were having prayer for healing and everything. And he uh, confessed his whole ugly life and, and everything. And uh, they said, well, we'll pray for you. They prayed for him and he was healed. Amen. His mind was healed. And he later became, like I said, Calvary Chapel of uh, San Diego. I started attending that in November of 1975. And uh, Mike started out as a little Bible study, about 10 people. And within a few months, the, the, it had grown up to a congregation of 1,000 people. It was already 1,000 people. You know, Mike has got a tremendous, you know, uh, uh, you know gift of gab, you know. And uh, uh, it made a, such a big difference in my own personal life. But that, I'll never forget, you know, and I'd heard his testimony many times, too, about, you know, the L, that LSD trip and, uh, uh, you know, how God eventually brought uh, uh, healing for him. But that, that's what always got me is the fact that all these different Eastern religious leaders passed in front of him and they said, this is as far as we take man to death. Now, neither does Islam really solve the sin problem either. They teach that uh, you must accept uh, Muhammad as the seal of the prophets. Well, what do they mean by seal of the prophets? They don't mean, you know, that furry creature, you know, lives in that aquatic, uh, you know, environment and goes, roar, roar, you know, barks like, barks like a dog. No, not, not that kind of seal. They mean seal he means he's the final and the greatest prophets. Now, they also believe that Jesus was a great prophet, too. But they believed that Muhammad was even greater. And I've never figured out how that was, because if you ask them, well, they believe that Jesus was, uh, um, uh, he, Jesus worked miracles, right? Muhammad didn't work miracles. Jesus was born of a virgin. That's key, too, because the next one, they believe that uh, Jesus was also sinless. But Muhammad wasn't born of a virgin. And Muhammad wasn't sinless, so I, I you know, kind of scratched my head and said, let me get this straight. Jesus, you know, uh, Muhammad didn't work any miracles. He wasn't born of a virgin, and he wasn't sinless. But Je they believed Jesus was all three. So how does that work, that Muhammad is uh, the greater prophet? I don't know. Uh, Judaism. I've talked about the parable of the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. The tax collector, you know, just lists all these different things, you know, why, you know, he should be righteous before God. And uh, uh, the tax collector, on the other hand, just beats himself on the breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And... Jesus said that man, the tax collector, was the one who went down justified. So, a man could not be justified by the Jewish law. And I've told you before, uh, the Apostle Paul went through that too. He went through his pedigree. If you read the third chapter of the book of uh, uh, Philippians, he listed his Jewish pedigree, and then it hinges on verse 7, where he said, What things were gained for me, those I counted lost for Christ. And he said, I don't have a righteousness of my own, but I appropriate the righteousness of Jesus Christ by Faith. Hallelujah. Okay, so the bottom line is all these world religions teach a salvation by works. And true Christianity is the only faith 
that has a concept of grace, which is unmerited favor. It's not something that you earn. It's something that God offers you as a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved, if, if you've appropriated this sin sacrifice of Jesus Christ as your own, uh, if you will, free ticket to heaven. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is not earned. It is a free gift. But you have to reach out and take it. So there's no justification by works. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's the mercy that the tax collector was looking for. He confessed and forsook his sin. So that's the biblical pattern for dealing with sin. And it extended even back into Old Testament times. Okay, why does man insist on saying that he will be saved by his works? Well, it's the pride of man. And what's pride? In fact, the pride is the first in the, what's called the seven deadly sins. Amen? The pride of man dictates that man, a man justify himself based on his good works. This is what it means there in Proverbs when it talks about covers his sin. But that's not God's way. What about confessing? He who confesses and forsakes them <clears throat> will have mercy. What's confessing mean? Well, confessing just basically means... You agree with. You agree with God. That is, you agree that with God that what you have done is wrong and it is sin that has grieved Almighty God because it's not in accordance with His will. And forsaking the sins means you turn away from it. So you got the two things. Confess and then forsake. Forsake means to uh, turn away away from the sin and toward God in repentance. This is God's way of dealing with the sin problem. Whom, this is uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, whom, speaking of Jesus, Jesus God sent forth as a propitiation. Propitiation means satisfactory payment, satisfactory atonement uh, for sin by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, forbearance means divine restraint, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. That's speaking of the sins that were committed by the Old Testament saints. God restrained himself from putting the, his full wrath upon the people that committed them. That's how David was able to get by in spite of his grievous sins. Because he was looking forward to the sin sacrifice that Jesus would have. The Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to it. We are saved by looking back at it. To demonstrate, verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice we can't clean ourselves. He has to do it for us. Through what? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only detergent that will <clears throat> cleanse us from our sins. Just two verses from, you know, before 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, we have, uh, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son continues to cleanse us from every sin.
Now, because God is a just God, He cannot help. Based on First uh, John one nine, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cannot help but uh, forgive us when we confess them and we place our trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for those sins. Okay, right winding down here. Conclusion of the justification of sinners. In a nutshell, brothers and sisters, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the whole world strikes the perfect balance between the love of God and the justice of God. The love of God because God wants us to be saved. The justice of God because the sin problem must be dealt with. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2, that, that's only three verses after 1 John 1 9. And he himself is the propitiation, the satisfactory payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Jesus died on that cross, not just for your sins personally, although you have to appropriate it personally. He died for the sins of the entire world. So why isn't everybody saved? Because not everybody believes that. They'd much rather trust in their own righteousness. So God's wrath for the sin of the world was poured out on His Son, Jesus, as the perfect Sacrifice, the complete sacrifice. And that's why there was darkness upon the land. You remember the, G, the day Jesus died? What happened? God sent a darkness over all the land, you know, around where he was being crucified. And that's because God could not look upon the sins of the world that he was placing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus cried out. My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why are you abandoning me? You know why? Because God the Father was abandoning him. Because God the Father was placing upon the Lord Jesus Christ the sins of the entire world, and he could not look upon. He had to turn his face away from his very own son at that very moment. The only time in all eternity that will be true where God the Father turned away from His Son. So Jesus cried out because His Father really had forsaken Him because He could not look upon the sins of the world that He uh, was putting on Him. You know, Jesus became a curse for us. And that's why He had to be crucified. You know, in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, quoting the Old Testament, he said, Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. Jesus had to be hanged upon that tree at Calvary. He couldn't be stoned. You know, they were trying to stone him earlier, if you read that. They stoned St. Stephen. Jesus couldn't die that way. He couldn't beheaded. be beheaded. You know, and that happened later on to uh, the Apostle James and also the Apostle Paul. They were both beheaded. Jesus couldn't die that way because he had to be hanged upon a cross so he could become the curse for us. That curse belongs to us, but Jesus took it upon himself to die that way. Now, at, if we are now justified... How shall we live? Romans chapter 7, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 17, For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now we are justified by faith, 
At the moment of our salvation, the moment we receive Jesus' sin sacrifice for our sins. But we continue to live by that faith. That means that we not only continue to live by our faith in Jesus' sin sacrifice uh, for our sins, but it also means to continue to live by faith by what he says about that sin. And that's why you refrain from it. That is, our sins separate us from God, and therefore, they are actually just like a poison to our souls. And God offers the cure for that poison. So do we take the uh, cure, but then continue to drink the poison? It's not supposed to be that way, brothers and sisters. Okay. Brings up another question. I'm almost finished here. Can God hear us when we have unconfessed sin in our hearts? I bring Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, to the witness stand there, and he writes in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. David adds in uh, Psalm 66, verse 18, he said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And so many people walk around, Well, I prayed to God, but he didn't answer my prayer. Well, you know, many times he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to. But that again is our own self-will getting in the way. You know, you pray about them. But these people don't look at the fine print of that uh, uh, promise. First John uh, 5 verse 22. And whatever we ask we receive of him because we, because we keep his commandments... And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Take an honest look at your life if you feel like uh, God is not answering your prayers. Are you obeying what he says? You know, his commandments? Are you, is everything you do, is it pleasing in his sight? You know, take an honest look. Also, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 talks about... Uh, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. It's not a heavy burden on you. What are God's commands? I'm not going to go through the Ten Commandments because Jesus said there's only two. What are the two commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If you love God, truly love God, you're going to do what pleases Him. Amen? And the other one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a heavy burden. Amen? So the conclusion that I want to make. God is always faithful to you, but are you always faithful to Him? We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we as faithful to God as He is to us? He's always faithful. And, you know, like I said, this is another attribute that I I thought about, you know, in this preparation. God's faithfulness. If you're always faithful to Him, you know, He will answer your prayers. Amen. Okay. Next week, just as God is just in our justification, He expects the same thing of us. He's a God of love, so He expects us to be people of love. He's a God that is holy, He expects us to be holy. And he's a God of justice, so he expects us to be just.
You know, that means that we're always to be just in our dealings with other people. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, a big part of why I go through these attributes of God is the practical application. What it means to for you. Because God wants us to be like Him. He wants us to become like Him. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give a closing song here. If you would... Uh, uh, cue up that, if you would, uh, Susie. It's a uh, song, it's Micah 6, 8, put to music. And, and, and this, this always brings up memories for me. Uh, I took my family out to the faraway country of uh, Thailand back in uh, 1982 and uh, uh, 83. And uh, I brought along some tapes of the Calvary Chapel songs. And this is on one of the tapes there. And my son, you know, he was just a little guy. I, th I don't even think he was three years old at that point. But he'd say, to, Dad, I want to hear the old man song. <laughs> and I, I don't know if he thought it was old man or old man. But anyway, he, he remembered this song. So cue that up if you would, uh, uh, Susie. Yeah, that's it. Double click on it. I love this little song. He has shown me. People that I don't know here. Um, is there anybody here that has not made that decision for Christ? That you recognize that you are a sinner and that you're in need of a Savior. A sinner needs a Savior. And the only Savior, as I've mentioned before, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's true of you, then... Uh, the way that you can get right with God is to pray this prayer with me. 
This is the on the flyleaf of uh, Greg Laurie's uh, Bible. And by the way, uh, uh, for our visitors, if you want one of these, you're welcome to a copy. You know, I just uh, uh, got a new batch in. You pray this prayer and just uh, pray it after me. You say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments and have fallen short of your standards. Right now, I turn from that sin and I ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord, Savior, friend, and God. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, in Him alone, to save me from my sins. Thank you for loving me and calling me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for yourself and asked Jesus to come into your life, I'd love to talk to you about it after uh, uh, church. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have provided for our justification. And Lord, we know that you're a just God. And you love us far beyond anything that we can even imagine. We'll never know the depth of your love in this present life, Lord. But we will discover it in the life to come. And uh, Lord, we await that. But Lord God, you had to be just also. You had to deal with the sin in our lives. And Lord, we could not save ourselves by our own good works. Our good works will never be good enough. Our righteousness will never be good enough. It is only the righteousness of Jesus Christ, Amen. which, as the Apostle Paul wrote, we appropriate that righteousness yes. by faith. And it's based upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for the message that you shared with me yes. and I was able to share with your people here. And thank you for being with us now. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so um, you were saying that uh, Mariah and uh, uh, Nathan, you'll be heading on out. Are you driving back to Wyoming right away or what? You're going to Phoenix. Brother's wedding. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stay cool. That's all I can say. You know, it's supposed to be 109 today. I can't believe it. That, that's the hottest day that I can remember here in Fredonia. Yeah. They were talking about how Las Vegas is going to set some uh, heat records, too. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're coming back this way on the way back to Wyoming then, or what? taking the same okay well if you come back this way you know uh, just keep this in mind you know next Sunday uh, but we, we're going to pray for uh, traveling mercies uh, for you and uh, uh, you Casey and uh, uh, Arian yeah Arian uh, you said you're going to be here for a, a couple of weeks yeah gonna weeks. yeah you're gonna hit the national parks yeah we're probably headed there today. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd stay away from Zion uh, for the next day or so. It's going to cool down. Zion is very hot. You know, it's it's, it's down a, a thousand feet lower than what we are, and it's in that valley too. So uh, wait wait for the uh, cooler day. But, uh, you know, there's Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon. This is why I moved to this area back in uh, 2013 as I I just love the area around here for its beauty. Okay, so uh, uh, pray for your trip. And uh, traveling mercies for you too. Okay, uh, other prayer requests?
before we uh, do the prayer request, we, we need to praise all for both uh, Susie and for uh, uh, Bob McClay. Amen. You always got to give gl- God glory for when he answers prayer, as he did with uh, both of them. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, uh, other prayer requests? Yes, uh, you know, there, there's a slight chance of rain in the offing. Big chance. Yeah, big chance. Yeah, we, we, huh? Big chance. Okay, we're going to confess a big chance. Okay. Um, when is this monsoon season supposed to be? <laughs> it was supposed to start uh, the first of the month, but uh, it's late. You know, sometimes they're early, sometimes every, every uh, uh, you know, year is different. We had so much. You know, snow and uh, and uh, uh, rain this winter. You know, by my calculation, we got about a cumulative total of about thirty inches of snow. I, I know it's hard for you to believe. We do get snow around this place, but uh, we had a really wet winter, and now we've got so far a dry monsoon season. But things can turn around too. You just never know. The weather patterns can uh, uh, change. Okay, so we got rain. Pray for Teresa Maxell, who has uh, uh, congestive heart failure. She's the mother of David and uh, Brian Maxell, who came here a couple of uh, weeks ago. I, I took them around, uh, uh, you know, to the sites around here. Of course, we drove all the way up to Moab to go to Arches and Canyonlands. I love uh, being around in this area. So much to see and do. Okay, for, pray for Teresa Maxell. Pray, continue to pray for Laura, that God would keep her cancer free. She had chemo treatment and s- surgery, and she's cancer free now. Pray she, she stays that way. Pray for Larry Larson. Uh, pray for uh, uh, Mary Woodward. Okay. Pray for uh, other Pastor Sandra. Pastor Sandra was pastor here before I took over at the beginning of uh, uh, 2020. But uh, she, she lives out in Hurricane. By the way, they call it Hurricane around here. Not Hurricane like everybody else, but the, the locals call it Hurricane around here. So anyway, she, she lives out there in Hurricane uh, about uh, 65 miles to the east of, or actually the west of here. Um, and... Uh, She's was retired, but she's gotten involved in the AG Church in Hurricane now. So pray for her. You know she has a lot of uh, problem with pain. Uh, you know from previous injuries, and uh, pray that God would anoint her. She's become associate pastor there in Hurricane. So I'm. So happy that God is using her Amen. again. She she can preach again. The reason why one of the big reasons why I took over is because she had a really serious fall and injured her head, and her brain got scrambled up, and she could no longer preach. But now, you know, it's been almost four years later, and she's back to uh, being able to preach again finally. Okay, Pastor Sandra, who else? Okay, for Trevi. Okay, yeah. I don't see Ethan and Pam in here. Yeah, but Trent, Trent was here on Wednesday. I'm surprised he's not here today. Okay, pray for Trent. Trent has a lot of, uh, uh, you know, spiritual things that really need prayer. Trent, okay. Okay, Sean and Grace. Yes. And uh, also pray for uh, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl's father. Yeah, father. Yeah, Kenny, who has leukemia. Not only healing for that, but also uh, we don't. We're not sure if he he knows the Lord or not. 
Okay. Other prayer requests? I pray for our church, for everybody in here, each individual, for revelation for all of us, and wisdom, mm-hmm. discernment. Yeah. God's favor. God's favor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Protection. Over finances, over relationships. Relationships, yes. And then the Lord will bring more people here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, John. Um, Casey and uh, Nathan, did you have any particular uh, uh, prayer requests that you wanted to pray for? Maybe just uh, you maybe pray for us as a family as we're we're on a trip, and a lot of it has to do with you know. I was just trying to restart, reset, and heal. We're just trying to really stay focused on uh, as we're out traveling, mm-hmm. still being in God's word, and also uh, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad that you uh, came here uh, this Sunday. You know, you're very welcome. Pastor, <clears throat> you could also pray. Um, we lost my uncle a couple weeks ago, and he has. He has two Okay, any other prayer requests? Okay, yeah, we always pray for uh, nations starting with our own. Pray for Israel and uh, also Iran, you know, that's uh, threatening uh, uh, Israel. They need prayer too. And uh, pray for Ukraine, you know, with the war going on. And Dolly's home country of uh, Thailand and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, have they selected a prime minister? Yeah, they had an election two week, two, no, two months ago. Yeah, two months ago, but they uh, they that's where they select the party that's going to take control. But they still haven't selected a uh, prime minister, so uh, they're. Thailand, the political problem. Okay, uh, other prayer requests? Okay, we always pray for family and friends, both saved and unsaved. Okay, anything else? Okay, who's got an unspoken request? Raise your hand high. You want God to meet that need, you gotta admit that you got it. Okay? Okay, if there's uh no other 